You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. It's Friday on the Catholic Psyche Podcast. My name is Deacon Basil, and this is Marriage in Real Life. As always, I'm here with the great Pawnee Brittany, my my dear Holla. wife. Holla. <laughs> today, what are we talking about today? I don't remember. Um, the first thing we're talking about is Jack Frost, the poet. Um, yeah, what's the problem? A- <laughs> Two roads diverged in a clear wood. Um, so, in our last episode, we were talking about love maps and... Um, who each other's favorite poet was. And yes. Basil guessed that mine was Jack Frost. And the weird thing was, I knew exactly who he was talking about, despite the misuse of, or the, the totally wrong name. And I went right along with it. We started talking about um, Two Roads to Virgin and Yellowwood and how Jack Frost is not my favorite poet. Um, little did we realize at the time, because it was late at night and we're parents and we don't function well late at night, that Jack Frost is not the poet. It is Robert Frost. Jack Frost is the mythical character who brings about the snow and such. Um, so I anyway, mean, I'm going to be really honest with you. I cannot blame that on the late night for me. There's about a 90% <laughs> chance that in the best of times that I am wide awake, I would have called him Jack Frost anyways. So. Um, I think you have, actually. I think you have called him Jack Frost before. You know what? He should be called Jack Frost. Let it be from and, now on. His name is Jack. And in Frost. the winter, are we going to talk about um, Robert Frost? Robert is... Frost, who Robert Frost is picking at your nose or whatever. What? <laughs> anyway, my favorite poet, um, for the record, is T. S. Eliot. I decided, I thought about it, I meditated on it. I realized my favorite poet is T. S. Eliot. You know, I made a joke last time that Jack Frost would have been a basic. You would, Robert be ba- Frost? you would be basic Robert for liking Frost? Robert Frost. You did not even know T.S. Eliot's poems. His most like obvious poems like the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock or The Hollow Man. I introduced you to those. So I will accept a thank you now. So what we're going to talk about tonight <laughs> is... Uh, fighting! Fighting! And contempt. Stonewalling. Stonewalling, yes. Criticism. So I think the first thing that I was thinking about this a little bit in our our cogitations beforehand. Whoa! I don't think we need to tell people about that. Right. Um, in our in my in my personal cogitations, and I think the thing about um, about fighting is that there's a lot of different. Are you you got it together? Are you gonna be okay? Cogitations is such a funny word. Okay, go she's ahead. she's completely sober, guys. Just for the record, we're and drinking, so am I. We're, we're drinking, drinking tea, decaf tea, nonetheless. Okay, anyways. So, um, so you were cogitating. I was cogitating about what fighting is, and there's a lot of different um, concepts of what fighting looks like within a marriage. Uh, there's, I mean, we were talking about this. There are just so many different um, books and blogs, and sometimes people with absolutely no credentials talking about how to fight and right. different strategies for fighting. And the problem is, is that you know, one of the things that has really changed in the last 40 years is that we know from a research basis now mm-hmm. what fighting looks like in a marriage, what 
the struggles with fighting looks like and what to do about it. Well, and it doesn't mean that there's not any merit to things that people say. I mean, look, I don't have a clinical background. I'm basically on this podcast, this episode today, just to ask you questions. Um, well, thank the Lord. I know, right? Um, there, it, it doesn't mean that there's no merit to those things that, that people say without a clinical background or without having read and understood um, some of the more research and evidence-based methods. Um, but at the same time, know that those things are, might be less applicable across the board. Um, if not occasionally, um, perhaps just wrong, but, but a lot of times there's some merit to them. It's just that they might not be as, um, broadly applicable. Right. I will say that, you know, some of my concerns have been that we know how to help couples very, very effectively now. And that's Mm -hmm. very different Mm -hmm. than when couples counseling really started. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be very careful with giving advice that's not scientifically accurate. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I would say. Now, I can't speak for every blog post out on the internet that is ways of fighting fair or ways of fighting in a couple, in a marriage, but you know, by and large, there there's some real struggles with that. So, what I blogs was... in general, blogs in general. Well, I it depends. Like... I write blogs. What are you talking about? Blogs in general, do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of the major advancements and we talked a little bit about this last time mm-hmm. one of the major advancements has been the Gottman method and the Gottman method was developed by John Gottman at the Gottman Institute you're seeing kind of a trend here I'm sure you can see um what's this guy's name his name uh, John Gottman G-O-T-T-M-A-N <laughs> and what he did is he uh had this great um this great what they call it it was the 70s but they called it the love lap. Yeah. Right? And in the love groovy. lap. Groovy. Groovy. Yeah, man. Um, and in the love lap. Would you stop hitting the mic? I can't. I'm going to learn how to not do this. Okay. I'm going to learn how to not hit the mic okay. for the next episode. Okay, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> what the uh, Gottmans would do is they had this this studio apartment where they would bring you know couples in and they would um, basically test cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone, they test heart rates, they test all of those different kinds of, of, of physiological aspects, and then they'd videotape the couples um, during the during reasonable hours, it wasn't 24 hours a day, but mm-hmm. you know, reasonable hours that they would videotape the couple's interactions. And they would catalog, categorize them based off of this model that they were developing. And now we can predict, based off of this model, with 91% accuracy, whether a couple will be married in seven years or not. Mm-hmm. Which is really quite remarkable. Now, does that... Ooh. That's a little... So I know you've said this before, and something I've always wondered about that is... Okay, so you can predict with 91% accuracy. What does that mean, though, for like the people who come into counseling, and they're in that, they're in that place where it's like, yeah, it looks like you're headed for divorce. Right. Um, is there hope in that situation, or what? Many times there's hope, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um is, I, I think is that's, the prediction sort of based the, on if the, they continue in that path? Or exactly, just, okay. exactly. And the key okay. with that is that, okay, we, we can predict with 91% accuracy, mm-hmm. which is really great. And it's fun to bat around at cocktail parties, right? Absolutely. But more importantly than that, mm-hmm. it's that we can now know what to do about them to end those cycles of behavior mm. um, within the marriage. Mm-hmm. So what are the four things that we're looking for um, in the, the negative patterns of behavior in, in couples? I, I know you don't. This is why I'm educating you. Oh. Um, what it is, is the four, we call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Do we have little coconuts? Was that a Monty Python 
Come along, Patsy. Okay, you are really tired. I can see that. Like, this is this is the slap-happy Brittany. Keeping, I'm keeping this interesting. Okay, Four Horsemen. Go ahead. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And, of course, it comes out of Revelation with the Four Horsemen of the, the Apocalypse. End, of of the apocalypse. But it's the Apocalypse of Your Marriage. Um, yeah. And what those are is criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Mm-hmm. Right? So criticism is, you know... You do all of these things that are wrong. I like saying that to you. I know you like that. Yeah. No, <laughs> contempt is I hate you or, you know, you're an idiot, right? Defensiveness is, well, you know, I didn't do that or, well, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. my fault. Mm-hmm. Stonewalling is where you just, you know, get up and walk out like I'm done. Or you, instead of stonewalling, you just like mm-hmm. sit there and you just do the silent treatment. That oh, would be stonewalling. I like using right? that one too. I know. No, you, no, you don't. That's not your... <laughs> no. That's not your favorite. Um, That's not... Which one is my favorite? Oh, yours is defensiveness. Yeah. Really? No question. No question. I am not defensive. (laughs) You are such a defensive, terrible person. See, that would be contempt. contempt. Right? And the point behind this is not that you never see these interactions in any way, shape, or form within any... You know, within good couples. You do Mm -hmm. see these. Mm -hmm. But you can see them at a certain rate based off of couples that um, are really heading for... Um, troubles. And I think the point behind this is where do we start to see these develop? Well, we started to see see them develop in what we call a, dis, uh, a place of physiological arousal, which sounds very odd, I, admittedly, but what it means in this case is the physiological arousal is that you are in this state of what we call the fight or flight response, mm-hmm. right? So we use this this uh, very generally, we, we usually talk about it in um, psych 101 classes of the physiological arousal being like the fight or flight response mm-hmm. coming from a saber-toothed tiger, right? So when you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger or going to fight a saber-toothed tiger, <laughs> you're right. You're, <laughs> your body is going to automatically respond with um, certain standard behaviors that will help you be able to fight off or run away from a saber-toothed tiger in the sense that you're, there will be more, more blood to your uh, limbs. There will be more shallow breathing. There will be, you know... All of these things that you need to be able to fight faster off. Faster heart rate. Faster heart rate. Shallower, you know, shallower breathing, but there's more oxygen, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see the, these kinds of things. So those things turn on, while the things that you don't need to fight off a saber-toothed tiger or run away from a saber-toothed tiger turn off, right? You don't need to be eating mm-hmm. um, or digesting food mm-hmm. when you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to be doing algebra Mm-hmm. When you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger. So that higher, you're talking about that, that like the higher cognitive functioning is what turns down. Precisely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Turns off. Mm-hmm. Now this is really great in moments where there's immediate issues, but this is where our bodies were expo- explicitly evolved. Yes. Evolved. Mm-hmm. I said it. Evolved to, uh, <laughs> to uh, develop uh, to, and, to, and to respond in these ways. But I don't experience a saber-toothed tiger on a daily basis. You experience your wife. I experience my wife. That's the point, though. Mm-hmm. I experience mm-hmm. problems in the marriage. N- not my marriage necessarily every day, but, you know, I experience that. And so I use, uh, in therapy, I'll always say that um, there's very little difference between the tax man and a saber-toothed tiger. Right? Uh-huh. They'll both eat you up. Uh-huh. They will. They'll both eat you, uh-huh. just in very obviously different ways. The nice thing about a saber-toothed tiger is he'll walk away. Mm-hmm. The tax man is always there. Uh-huh. April 14th will always come, you know, mm-hmm. that's just, that's just one example. You can use, you know, the tax man as your, uh, as the stand in for anything. So mm-hmm. think about it when your wife or your husband is yelling at you, 
you get into that state of physiological arousal. You're in that fight or flight response. Criticism and contempt are fight. Defensiveness and stonewalling are flight. Oh, interesting. And I, I think what's interesting about this too is that um, that inhibition of the higher cognitive functioning as well. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you've got all of this physiological um, state to be able to, to aggressively act um, and, and, phys- and psychologically do. Uh-huh. But also those aspects that are most helpful in a fight, uh-huh. like being able to say, huh, you're right, I was wrong in that situation. Or, huh, maybe I don't want to anger you to the point where you leave for the day, right? right? Or whatever right. that might be. Those cognitive functions are inhibited. Uh-huh. Where you're not able to think as clearly as you as you uh-huh. would normally, mm-hmm. and so I think that's really a key insight there as to what is physiolo- physiologically happening to us when we enter into a fight. Well, and that's going to be difficult, I would think, also long term. Like when you're dealing with one of those problems that maybe you're not um, fully resolving, and you're worried about it, or it's sort of an ongoing problem. Maybe you're worried about a spouse's habit, and that's habit being an ongoing issue um so uh, and, just and just, just the long term the long term effect of of that physiologically going on in those and then therefore building up the the habit of criticism and contempt or the other things is is that an issue i guess i'm asking is is um then building that response um one of the horsemen building that into a habit yeah that that whenever you see your your wife or mm-hmm. your husband you're immediately into that criticizing sort of habit mm-hmm. of behavior you immediately see that that um i think that's really i mean that's that's in a really bad situation with a marriage oh, where you okay. automatically see you automatically see the other person and you're in that state of physiological arousal just just uh-huh. by seeing them uh-huh. like that's in a very concerning situation and you need to be calling a therapist like a, mar- uh-huh. a trained marriage and family therapist or a trained lpc in those situations uh-huh. um uh-huh. as quickly as you as you can but um no, that that is that is definitely a common phenomena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got this this state of physiological arousal, and these things, these criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling, will come out in different ways. And I think what I really try and pre- uh, push with the people that I talk with is that, in some ways, our our our, uh, our oldest is actually at this state where she'll be like upset, really, really upset, and then she like yells, uh-huh. and she'll be like afterwards we'll we'll be doing the actual the, what we call emotional coaching and she's like my body just sometimes makes me do these kinds of things yeah and the funniest <laughs> thing about that is it's true it's true yeah she's she in that knows. state yeah. of physiological arousal where she's uh-huh. so in that fight or flight response that she's yelling because she's in that state of i don't know criticism or she's in that state of contempt like she's she's yelling because she's in a physiological state of of, of fight or flight so then the question is, you know, for our daughter, for the, for the record, the Gottmans take a, take all of their research on couples and then reapplied them back into what they called emotionally coaching, um, the emotionally coaching method, which is a method for parenting, um, and it's so cool, and we will definitely talk about that in some later episode. But essentially, you've got this this these four horsemen. And the question is, is what do you what do you do with them? Mm-hmm. And again, the big important thing is to say it's a physiological reaction. So, which doesn't excuse it for the record. Yeah. Just because you're in a state of physiological um, arousal when it comes to these kinds of horsemen, horsemen, 
doesn't mean that you should be doing that. Well, but I, like, from, so from the physical therapy perspective, so I'm a physical therapist assistant, in case, um, in case that's not known yet. Um, but I, I think what's neat about understanding that it is part of a physiological reaction, um, that we're not, our, our brain and our body are connected in that regard and affect one another in that regard. I, I think it's at least helpful to then do something about it because it's not simply, I mean, I guess my perspective on it would be, and I'd be interested, of course, in your perspective being more on the, on the psych side, but my perspective would be, um, that's not simply at that point, that's not simply a, a top down way, a top, top down meaning like changing your thoughts. Um, but maybe you also need to work sort of bottom up to, uh, to help that response as far as some breathing exercises, things that help um, relax and, and turn down that fight or flight response so that you can think more clearly, use that higher cognitive functioning, um, and then use some of these um, remedies that you're about to tell us about. Right. No, so you're absolutely right that, that you know, it is there and then you also have this, this, this uh, physiological side as well. So for criticism, we would say what's the antidote? And the antidote for criticism is a gentle startup, right? So I use the example <laughs> in, in my thinking on this um, is that when I walk in the house and I know, um, I don't know why we keep using this example, but you know, it's a good Because I'm bad at gentle startups. You, well, but when I walk in the house and I see that the dishes aren't done. Oh, yeah. The last thing that I should do <laughs> is walk in and be like, why are the dishes not done? You know, you've had the whole day, you've had the blah, 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 you've done all this, blah, 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 blah. Why aren't the dishes done, right? And uh -huh. there could be another way of putting that, you know, which is still important. The dishes uh -huh. still need to get done, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should just start, you know, yelling right. at the other person. Right. So perhaps a general startup in that situation might be, how was your day? <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking about that and then be, you know, saying something along the lines of, I'm just a little concerned that the dishes weren't done yet. Is there anything I can do to help? Is there some way that we can look in this? You know, how can we help right. fix or, this problem? Or you ask, how was your day? And you find out it was absolutely nuts. And that's why the dishes weren't done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think criticism is probably one of the more, probably the most common um, of the horsemen. I think that mm -hmm. and defensiveness is mm -hmm. probably the other um, one. But if we're going to jump to this one, then the, if we're going to jump from the most common, I'd like to get to the most serious, which is then contempt. Uh -huh. Contempt, uh -huh. again, contempt is that you're an idiot response, right? Mm -hmm. It's not it's not you do stupid things, it's you are stupid, right? <laughs> and this is, it sounds, you know, we, we laugh about it and, it's, and know, it is very I funny, know. but no, it, is, it is the most serious out of all of them because mm -hmm. you're, it's a characterological issue at that uh -huh. point. It's, uh -huh. I'm saying you by virtue of who you are and by, you know, what you are is mm -hmm. wrong and bad. Uh -huh. And that's uh -huh. not, that's you know, a really quite terrible thing to say to anyone, but in particular to your spouse. And what's so interesting about this one, contempt in particular, is that there is a correlation between contempt, instances of contempt, and infectious diseases that someone will receive in the next year. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Because they, um, they inhibit the immune system. Uh -huh. So that you're not as uh, able to fight off infections the next, uh, you know, within the next period of time. And it's a lengthy period of time that I can do that. There is a, the point of this is that there is a physiological um, ramifications for 
struggles in marriage. Can that, oh, I'm sorry. Can yeah, you please. repeat? So is that the health issues are for the person who um, is um, is feeling the contempt or the person on the receiving it? Who, the person who's giving the contempt or, contempt or receiving the contempt? Right. Usually it's the person who's receiving the contempt because it's characterological. That doesn't mean there's no health benefits. I see. Right, health benefits. <laughs> it doesn't mean there's no health benefits for being a contemptuous jerk. Um, no, it doesn't mean that there's no... Um, there's no that that it's a that that there's no ramifications to uh-huh. being a contempt contemptuous person. Uh-huh. Um, I would say that high levels of stress stress is just that physiological um, state of arousal, that fight or flight uh-huh. response. It's it's being in that state constantly is what stress is. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. this contempt is very serious. What's the res- what's the antidote? What's this process the, the, that we can work on contempt? And that is to describe in clear detail. Your own feelings and needs. Mm-hmm. Now, not to do it in, in a criticizing way, but to say, you know, for example, using the mm-hmm. dishes as uh-huh. an example is instead of saying, you are lazy, uh-huh. I could uh-huh. say, I really like it when the dishes are done. Uh-huh. Which I don't actually, but you know, I could say that in that situation. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but it's not like a big deal breaker for me. But, you know, I could say, I, it, it makes me embarrassed when people uh-huh. come over and the dishes aren't done. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. I can de- kind of describe that. So that can be really, really helpful. And again, we're going over this. I mean, we could do 10 podcasts on each of these in particular, but, you know, yeah. these are very yeah. quick. So then if we turn to the flight ones, which is um, the the defensiveness and stonewalling, the, the antidote for defensiveness, uh-huh. you know, defensiveness is, well, I always do the right thing and you're, you know, uh-huh. that, that it's not my fault. It's right. not my fault. Right. Uh, the defensiveness, and it sounds kind of trite, but it's to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we said this in our first episode in Marriage in Real Life that I've never been in a situation where I can say it was 100% one person's fault. It might be uh-huh. 99.99999% one person's fault, but there is a little bit of uh-huh. leeway there, right? And there, and there are situations where it really might be 100% the... We don't... I mean, we don't want to victim blame in serious well, situations. Well, exactly. So there are situations where it's domestic violence. There's situations uh-huh. where it's, you know, pornography uh-huh. addiction. There's situations with other kinds of addictions um, that uh-huh. are certainly there. That those are, that there are situations um, that are, that need to be uh, understood that there are really intense situations where, where it might be 100% one person's fault. Things like domestic violence, uh-huh. where there's no excuse for that. But it's to take responsibility in, in those other situations where it's not, um, 100%. It's to take mm-hmm. responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last one is going to be stonewalling, right? Stonewalling, again, is that I'm just going to walk out the door and not even talk about it anymore. I'm going to go for a drive and be done. So one of that could be, uh, the response to that could be doing physiological and psychological self-soothing, mm-hmm. right? Which sounds kind of odd. Back in the 70s, we talked about um, nurturing the, uh, the psychological child within, Right, which I mean was, you know, had some merit to it in some ways. Maybe wants to hear about this. Yeah, but the idea being that, you know, when we're in that state of physiological um, fight or flight, then we need to look towards those things that are going to bring us out of it and calm us down. Uh And so that could be, for example, taking a break. Mm -hmm. One of the major things that we talk about, and I know it sounds kind of trite, but it actually really works in a fight, is Mm -hmm. saying we need to take a break. For about 20 minutes, needs to be for about 20 minutes, not more than 24 hours, but about 20 minutes, at uh-huh. least 20 minutes, rather. Uh-huh. And it's just to bring us 
out of that fight or flight response uh-huh. to bring things down so that then we can respond in an appropriate way. Yeah. So that, that could be sense. one way of, uh, phys- of physiologically soothing. We do other things, you know, we talk about other things that I, well, I do all the time about things like, you know, um, what we call square breathing. Right, which mm-hmm. is a certain breathing technique, uh-huh. um, which uh, was developed by the Navy SEALs and used by the Navy SEALs. It's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But that would be one example of kind of bringing the heart rate down. Right. It could be uh, the Jesus Prayer, which is a, a patristic intervention that we'll use um, in patristic psychotherapy, which I is like, praying the Jesus Prayer. I like this really cheesily named one, Reflexercise. Reflexercise. That is that is very <laughs> cheesily named, but it does work. It it really does. Yeah. It really does. It brings but, us out of that. Mm-hmm that fight or flight response. And so I think, you know, with these, with these horsemen, the temptation can be to say, well, I'm just not seeing any of those in my, in my marriage. I, 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 mm-hmm. I know that there are times when people will say, well, we don't have any of those. And maybe, uh-huh. maybe you don't, or maybe they've become so subtle that you can't really notice them as much. I would say that Again, in our very, very, very good marriage, uh-huh. I have used criticism. I have used contempt. I have used defensiveness, oh, yeah. and I've used stonewalling. I say, I say, oh yeah, because I, I, I know I've used all of them myself. Right. You know, and I think you and I are pretty good about um, the way that we, the way that we fight. I think. Yeah. Um, but it gives but... us the the ability to kind of discuss those things and to mm-hmm. move forward. And just because you see. One instance of defensiveness, one instance of contempt, or even one right. instance of, of uh, well, of contempt or stonewalling or anything else, uh-huh. does not mean that the marriage is doomed. It doesn't mean no. that, you know, anything along no. those lines. It means it's normal. It means it's normal. <laughs> it's when you start to see, you know, patterns within it and that, that the mm-hmm. Gottman, thera- you know, Gottman therapist or a trained Gottman um, clinician is really looking for. Uh-huh. Um, that's where it really becomes uh-huh. interesting. So these are, you know, the four horsemen. I think the other thing that... Um, and Cherie will, will appreciate me talking about this. The other side with that is this concept of emotionally focused, um, what, what we call emotionally focused therapy, which was developed by Sue Johnson. And it, oh, gesundheit. Um, sorry, that was the baby. Um, there can be this, this uh, concept of emotionally focused, um, you know, the emotionally focused side of a marriage, which is to say that we all have emotional um, attachment to the other person. Uh-huh. You know, we talked about attachment as a, you know, in the EFT uh, episode, uh, but we, we talk about attachment all the time. But attachment is my closeness to the other person. It's my intimacy with the other person. It's uh-huh. do I feel emotionally connected to the other person on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. And very, very often we express our attachment or our desire and our need for attachment to the other person uh-huh. in all the ways that are the most uninviting for that attachment, mm-hmm. you know, in, uh, in one of the books, Sue Johnson, um, writes about how like this desire for a need for closeness, um, is expressed by someone in like this demand that they go home and, uh, between the, uh, the, the husband and the wife that they go home and have sex, um, because he, of his inadequacies and his feeling of inadequacies within a larger, um, within the larger uh, party. Mm-hmm. And so he's expressing this, which then just makes the woman feel used, uh-huh. even though he's actually trying to find an emotional connection, but he doesn't find it in, in the, uh, in the bedroom because it's just this, this trite thing. Uh-huh. So I think, I think that's all in there. And so the other aspect of looking for a fight is what is the emotion that people are, tr- the emotional need 
that we're trying to express. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think one of the really, as long as it's not used in a contemptuous way, one of the really important questions is, what can I do? Like, what can I, what can I do to help understand your needs better? Mm-hmm. Now that can be done in a really sarcastic way. What do I need to, what do I need to fix you? Uh-huh. Or it can be done in a way that is, is much more like, how can I assist like in understanding what you're needing here uh-huh. in a deeper way? Well, and sometimes too, I think, um, it's important for both spouses to also recognize, I think it's important to ask what can be done to meet those needs. But I think likewise, um, especially coming from the Catholic perspective, it's also really important to realize at a certain point that you're not going to meet your spouse's every need and that your spouse is not going to meet every one of your needs. And I think, um, you know, again, speaking of patterns, if you're constantly finding yourself in a pattern where your spouse isn't meeting a need, I think that's a time to go to counseling. Um, And maybe also just a time to kind of search your interior life and ask if that's is that a need that your spouse is supposed to meet or maybe are you asking a little too much of them and you need to turn back to your prayer life. And, um, you know, I really like in the EFT episode, Sheree talked about building like an attachment to God. Yeah. Um, and are you lacking in that attachment, um, to the one who is supposed to be your savior or are you seeking, um, to find a savior in your spouse? Yeah. And, and again, probably things that, you know, you maybe don't want to search out all by yourself if it's a pattern, um, but just something to consider and just something to maybe consider um, to prevent that from becoming a pattern as well. Awesome. Well, I think we should probably leave it there since uh, we're looking at just about a half hour now. Next time, we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, when fighting manifests itself in a more difficult relationship situation. Situations with abuse, situations of trauma, situations of of infidelity, situations along those lines. We'll talk a little bit more about that in detail um, next time. Sounds good. So we'll see you next time on the uh, Catholic Psyche Podcast. Thanks for hanging with us.